And now, get growing with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 and KSTE.com. Here is Fred Hoffman. Well, happy Sunday morning to you. Welcome to Get Growing on Talk 650 KSTE. Farmer Fred here, Fred Hoffman, UC Cooperative Extension Lifetime Master Gardener, Garden Columnist with the Lodi News Sentinel, the guy that does all the typing at FarmerFred.com, all the ranting at the Farmer Fred Ramp blog page at Twitter.com slash Tips. lots of snark. The Get Growing with Farmer Fred Facebook page, where there is always a garden dialogue going on, where there's actually a pretty good picture of today's guest. Steve Zion is standing in front of his typical store display when he is uh, in, in, in his spare time. He likes to go <laughs> into uh, major uh, hardware stores, block nurseries. nurseries, block the aisles, the pesticide aisles. And he stands in front of the Roundup and says, uh, let me tell you about something. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to use that. Yeah, but This stuff's much better. But you have a table display that you use of uh, environmentally more friendly products to use. Available at that particular store. Exactly. It's a win-win situation. Yeah. And That's why they're glad to have you there. Exactly. Because you're still selling stuff for them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That, that's, and, and in many cases, I'm not that necessarily selling them a pesticide. In, in many cases... For example, people come in and they're having problems with their fruit trees. And I ask, you know, I always talk to people or I I try and always talk to people and ask them, well, let's try and figure out why you're having the pest problem. Mm -hmm. And the first question I ask them is, how are they irrigating? And they're usually irrigating their trees when they're irrigating their lawns. And that's not the way you irrigate a tree. And so I end up selling them. Uh, something like insecticidal soap to get rid of the the bugs that they've got now. But then I also will sell them soaker hoses. And so I get them, you know, get related sales, which the nurseries love. And I, you know, really solve the the gardener's problem, not only now, but for the long term. I noticed in that picture, too, you have another excellent uh, low toxic pest control device on that table. If you look at that picture at the Get Growing with Farmer Fred Facebook page, it is a hose and water sprayer, yeah. a multi-set uh, sprayer, one of those things that has a jet or full or mist and something called shower. Yeah. So you can take a shower and... Well, you could do that yeah. too, yeah. But, I mean, one, one of the... When you've got bugs and in, in some cases diseases, for example, example, pottery mildew, you have a pest problem. In many cases, just blasting it off with water will do the job and, and remove them. Uh, it, it leave you're not using a poison, so the beneficial insects that are there, ladybugs, praying mantis, and a whole host of others, the minute pirate bug. They're irritated but not injured. Right. Well, yeah. some of you'll you'll get some of them, yeah. but but the majority of them will will survive, and so you've knocked down the majority of the problem, giving the beneficials the opportunity to to move in there and do the job, and they usually will then provide. Uh, insect control for the entire season. In your uh, aging brain, what are the insects and diseases that can be controlled by a spray of water? Uh, a lot of your your sucking insects, aphids, whiteflies, uh, mealybugs. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only disease that I know of that would, that would work with is powdery mildew. Okay. And that's primarily if you're out there on a regular basis and see the powdery mildew mm-hmm. When it's just starting. Did you say spider mites in that? Yeah, spider mites. I, I don't know that I did, but yeah. mites w- w- you can are very effective. And uh, the, the, the actually for, for mites, 
uh, a spray on a regular basis to the foliage, not at night, but in the morning, um, can be like a repellent. Mites like dry, dusty conditions, and so and they're primarily on the undersides of the leaves. And so if you hose down the undersides of your leaves a couple times a week, uh, although this may not be water efficient, if you had a history of mite problems, it can potentially prevent and at least keep under control where you don't have a serious problem, uh, mite problems, mite issues. I have noticed, too, that on soft scale issues, especially on citrus trees where they congregate on the main branches, that a forceful spray of water can also uh, uh, do them in. No, oh, well, that, that, that's interesting to know. I've, I have not had that kind of success. I've tried it. Um, what I typically use on scale is a horticultural oil. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, when I talk about horticultural oils, and we were talking on the, on the, on your previous show on, on the other side of the city, yeah, or radio dial, anyway, or wall, yeah, um, that you know you don't want to use homemade pest control products, right? And I, I remember very vividly one of the earlier times I was on on this show, and we had. Earlier in the year, uh, talked about dormant sprays, and we were talking about horticultural oil mm-hmm. for a wide variety of, of dormant plants. And then we got a, a, a call uh, when I came back uh, in spring, and the guy says, I followed your directions. I got some, some oil, and I sprayed <laughs> it on my plants. And we said, well, where would you get the oil? You know, I mean, we, we talked for quite a while to this person. And finally, we said, well, where'd you get the oil? And he said, well, I was, you know, changing the oil on my car. And, you know, so I had all this extra oil. And so I just, I sprayed that on my plants. Yeah. You what know? happens when you spray motor oil on a plant? It kills it. It kills the plant. And that's what, and that's what happened. Okay. So don't, you know, that, that's the best example of, yeah. of, of not making a homemade spray. And that actually happened. Yeah. And it was in, in, in relation to this show and our recommendations, and they didn't listen to us all the way. Those of you of a certain age uh, may remember an oil spray called Volk Oil. Yes. That was sold by Chevron. Yes. <laughs> and it's like, whoa, is this a motor oil or what is it? What is Volk Oil? Um, it was, it's called, also called like a superior oil. Yeah. Um, it was just a really thick, heavy oil. That um, you, it was really critical. They had summer directions and winter directions, yeah. and many of them still do. Um, and if you would spray it, and the summer directions and winter directions really were irrelevant to the season. It was really, do the plants have leaves or not? And if you were to, uh, if you were to spray it using the dormant directions, uh, which is much more concentrated, mm-hmm. um, it would actually damage and burn the foliage, and you would kill the foliage. Yeah, and uh, is Volk Oil even for sales? I I haven't seen it in yeah. 20, 25 yeah. years. The, the horticultural oils that are available are a very light oil, almost like sewing machine yeah. oil. But don't use sewing machine oil. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, your wife would kill you. Yeah, so don't or, or, or yeah. vegetable oils. Yeah. Don't, you know, don't make homemade stuff. As I was saying on the other show, if it was meant to be used as a pesticide, there would be labels on bo- on that bottle of Wesson oil. Yes, for applying to plants, and yep. there isn't right. those. So, so there. All right. <laughs> uh, I haven't done the weather yet. Let's talk about the weather. Talk about the smoke too, please. All right. The I uh, want to breathe. 
86 the expected high today, 80, 85 on Monday, 83 on Tuesday. I like where this is going. Bring out the sweaters. 83 on Wednesday. I've already started wearing one in the morning. Thursday, uh, 83 degrees. Friday, 88. Next Saturday, 86. Overnight lows all week long, upper 50s. This is unusually cool. The average high temperature for Sacramento on an August the 26th is usually uh, 90 degrees. Overnight low is about right. I mean, in late August, we're, we're expecting 100 degrees. Yeah. And it's nice to have another week, a second week of 80-degree weather. You, folks, if your tomatoes haven't been coming in, if your peppers haven't been coming in, your zucchini, your squash, your pumpkins, whatever, this is the weather where they're going to thrive. Yep. And so come back in two weeks. Just wait this out. I know you've been suffering. You've been seeing those green tomato plants with no tomatoes. With temperatures in the 80s, the flowers are going to stick around. They're going to get pollinated. They're going to grow. They may not be as big as you might uh, expect because the days are getting shorter. But still, we're going to have tomatoes for Thanksgiving. Yep. So there's that. Yep. All right. So things are looking up. Now, another comment in relation to the cooler temperatures. And you mentioned that you brought out a sweater or sweatshirt or something. I did. Um, people are concerned about spiders. <laughs> really? We're going there. All yeah. Right. Okay. Well, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. And, and spiders in many cases, if you have not, they'll, they'll live in your clothes closet. And there are times when, you know, you go into your clothes closet and, and you're changing season. So you haven't messed with or done or disturbed that garment for, for months there could potentially be a spider, potentially a black widow spider in like the sleeve of that sweater. And so what I always, it's not, it doesn't <laughs> happen very often. Yeah, really. But what I recommend people who, who are, you know, scared of spiders, um, go into your closet and shake your clothes a little bit. Before you pull them out of the closet. No, you need to sell something. Since you're selling fear, why not sell a product to go along with it? The like product, a, like the, a spider detector. No. no I'm, I, people are just so scared of spiders. I mean, Next to rats and mice, that's what people want to kill the most. Uh, why? And, and, and all you've got to do is shake the clothes a little bit and they'll run away. No, you need to invent an ultraviolet spider detector so people can walk in their closets with this purple light and all the spiders will immediately pop up and then they can take evasive action. Yeah, but you can't. It has to be like an x ray or something so that you can see through the clothing. Yeah. Okay, maybe an ultrasound that would make them scream so you can hear them. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Spiders. All right. Spiders. Well, they do commute. You know, we are now learning insects. And plants do communicate. Yes, yes. And so we just have to learn how to communicate with them so that they understand us as well as we understand them. Our board operator, Terry, has arachnophobia, so we have to take a break so we can <laughs> give him some Valium. It's, uh, it's Get Growing on Talk 650 KSTE. Get Growing continues with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. Coming up in a little bit, Garden Grappler. Clue available at FarmerFred.com. Clue available at the Get Growing with Farmer Fred Facebook page. 
under the picture of the uh, smiling Steve Zion, you will find that clue. We'll do that at about 11 o'clock. In the meantime, we're answering your garden questions, whatever they may be. 576-1578 in the 916 or 866-331-8255. Steve was wondering about air quality for today. And it will be, according to the folks at uh, SpareTheAir.com, a moderate day for uh, the Sacramento area as far as particulate matter goes. However, uh, ozone might be a little bit higher. I noticed yesterday it was unhealthy, whereas uh, today it it was supposed to be moderate. And so that skipped uh, unhealthy for sensitive groups. No. Well, I'm, I'm looking at it and it says today, Sunday, August 26th. 108 is forecast, which is unhealthy for sensitive groups. That's in Placer County. Which is a Sacramento region. All right. I'm looking at a county-by-county breakdown. El Dorado, unhealthy for sensitive groups. Placer, unhealthy for sensitive groups. Sacramento, Yolo, and Solano, moderate. All right. So anyway, unhealthy for sensitive groups usually means uh, if you are aging, if you are small... If you breathe. If you, well, <laughs> it, it, really, so I, I heard on the news today, and I can't vouch for it because I heard it on the radio, and I believe very little I hear on the radio, but they said that... Especially on Sunday especially mornings. Especially on Sunday mornings, yeah. But that moderate air, breathing in moderate air is like smoking eight cigarettes a day. Yeah. Well, all I know is, is there are times uh, this year in particular when I have walked outside and immediately my throat closes up a little mm-hmm. bit and my nose goes nuts and and so this summer I've you know dramatically limited my activity outside you know I haven't I don't know I can't even think of the last time I went out out on my kayak 4th of July I think so mm-hmm. um I I ride my bike early in the day and yeah. because you look at these hour by our maps of ozone levels and particulate matter levels, and they all definitely increase in the afternoons. Yes. So if you're going to work outside, if you're going to do anything outside, do it early in the day and try to be done by noon. Yeah. Uh, so that includes today, too. Uh, I noticed that, like I said, yesterday it was unhealthy in the Sacramento area for ozone layers, and that occurred late in the day. Yeah. So there's that. And if these fires are still burning. People don't realize yeah. that we, just because they're not in the news doesn't mean these fires are out. In reality, uh, that Mendocino complex blaze, even though the uh, river fire portion of the Mendocino complex blaze has been contained and is out, or at least just smoldering, the ranch fire, which is northeast of Ukiah, is only 67% contained and has now burned over 392,000 acres. Wow. And add that to the 48,000 acres of the river fire, and all of a sudden you've got, what, 440,000 acres, uh, and it's the largest uh, wildfire in the history of California yep. at that rate. And, and, and what's, what, what's going to be kind of sad is what's going to happen to that, all that soil when the rains come? Well, that's why mitigation uh, plays a big part in uh, seeding that area or yeah. somehow stopping the flow with uh, wattles. Yeah. Uh, but where's the money coming from? These wildfires, from what yeah. I understand, have burned up. They have budgeted, what, $445 million for the 2018 fire season. They've already burned up $400 million of that, $445 yeah. million. So budgets are going to have to change. Yep. Yeah. 
to take care of this. The car fire up in Reading, it's it's 95% contained. That means there's a 5% fire still going on there. So yep. any smoke you see, primarily, it's still from those two big fires in Mendocino and in uh, uh, Reading, in the Reading area. The, the Ferguson fire, I think, in Yosemite has been pretty well contained since they reopened Yosemite. So Could that, be. that's going I, yeah, okay. I, yeah, what, I, don't, what, I don't know. What are the reports you're hearing from Arnold? Uh, nobody's going up there. Okay. <laughs> we were we were supposed to go up there, and uh, we decided we wanted to breathe, and so we didn't go up there. All right. Yeah, because uh, in some areas, especially in the Sierra foothills, uh, they, they've been yeah blobs of red. If you look at the hourly maps of uh, particulate matter and ozone, green is good, yellow is moderate, orange is unhealthy for sensitive group, red is unhealthy, and then there's purple. Instant death. Well, well, it's not instant (laughs) death, but it's more like welcome to Beijing. Yeah. Uh, But it's, it's, there have been areas of purple. Yeah. I mean, I think it's real interesting. I've seen, you know, photos on on this internet thing that that the kids like. That the kids like, yes. And there's been pictures of primarily river valleys where you can see a distance. Mm -hmm. And they would have one from when there's no fires to ones where there are fires and smoke. And the difference is just amazing. Yeah. You can you can you know see ten fifteen feet in front of you. I mean, I went down to L.A. about a, not, not even a month ago. Why? Baseball game, Milwaukee, oh, Milwaukee, okay. Milwaukee Brewers. That's the only reason to go. And it was smoky in the valley all the way down. Mm-hmm. It was smoky basically until we got into the city of L.A. Yeah, they have an ocean to help things out. And, yeah, and then we went to to Monterey. Last week, I think it was last weekend, uh, and uh, it was smoky almost going there, uh, basically until we got into you know within half a mile of the the coast. But now, in the past few days, they've had uh, high particulate matter and ozone levels there too. Yeah, it's 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 hitting everybody. Yeah, <laughs> even back east, yeah. images of the smoke traveling all the way to New York. Yeah. That's pretty amazing, and it's, I don't know what you do. All right. Um, you die. Oh, thank you. Yes. <laughs> All right. Let's 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 answer some garden questions here. Let's go to the emails that people have been sending to Fred at FarmerFred.com. I'll let you take a stab at this since uh, I've now received more uh, inquiries on this topic, and the answer will still be the same, I'm sure. It's uh, basically, the, the, we answered this question actually um, from John down in Fallbrook, who has an arborist and a tree trimmer. And he asks, they insist on using something to dress the tree wounds. Uh, is this necessary? Uh, well, if you go back 20, 10, 15 years, I would say yes. But now all, the, all the, the new research is showing that you are much better off not doing, you, 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 you make the, the cut, you make the proper cut where you leave what's called the branch bark collar which is like wrinkly tissue Mm -hmm. where it's connecting to a larger stem you leave that because that's basically the band-aid and if you if you treat the the wound uh what you will end up doing is if there is any kind of fungal disease there you will seal that in creating cool moist conditions causing problems the, only, the, the recent research says the only thing that you might want to do is if that wound is facing south or west, 
give it some sunscreen. And that does not mean go to your pharmacy and buy sunscreen. It means you get some white latex paint, dilute it half and half with water, and, and paint that on. I was not expecting that answer, Mr. Zion. Uh, I was going to go with uh, maybe what the International Society of Arboriculture says, which is research has shown that dressings do not reduce decay or speed wound closure and rarely prevent insect or disease infestations. Most experts recommend that wound dressings not be used. Yes. That's basically what I said. No, except for the part about painting it. (laughs) That's not really a wound dressing. That's sunscreen. Sunscreen. Because because you're using... in. Interior white latex paint isn't; it does not seal it up. Okay, because what a lot of people don't realize, exterior paints have, I guess, fungicides in them to no, slow they, down root, wood rot. No, they just they don't breathe. Okay, they don't breathe as well. Yeah, right. and so you want you you want the 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 trunk to be you know, normally yeah. the trunk breathes, and you want the trunk to be able to breathe. Yeah, people don't realize that wood breathes. Yep. Yeah, even that wood that's holding your house together. Yep. Needs, and and needs it bends. Air. Yeah, it, it should. Yeah, I always thought it was weird. I, I still have a hard time comprehending that solids bend, yeah. are capable of bending. Yeah. They uh, withstand earthquakes. Yep. Yeah, obviously, better than stucco. All right, let's take a break. Uh, when we come back, let's uh, delve into... Uh, what you're going to be doing in the next couple of weeks. That's in some interesting talks you're going to be giving. Okay. And, uh, oh, I also want you to tell people about the why it's important to cut a lawn high and how to properly stake a tree. That way I don't have to tell my neighbors <laughs> you can. It's, where am I? Get growing on Talk 650 KSTE. You're listening to Get Growing with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. Along with Steve Zion from Living Resources Company, he will be judging the Garden Grappler. Your answer's coming up at 11 o'clock. Clue available at FarmerFred.com. Clue available at uh, the Get Growing with Farmer Fred Facebook page as well. Got a garden question in the meantime? Call us, 916-576-1578 or 866 866- Three three one eight two five five. What is a, you, are, are you just what? giving out random numbers? Yes, random seven num- four six eight. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm, it is almost football I, season. I, I'm playing bingo at the rest home. Ah, that's it. Uh, the uh, what is uh, Steve Zion, a living resources company, doing these days? And 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 stretch it out so I can change chairs. Here. <laughs> um, I'm giving speeches and I'm teaching classes. On Friday, February 14th, I will be taking my soil game up to the Colfax Garden Club talking about It's All About Our Soil, which is a revised version of my old standby and always popular soil, not just a dirty word presentation. And that'll be Friday, September 14th at 11 o'clock at 55 School Street, in Colfax at their Sierra Vista Community Center. You can talk faster than that now. Okay. Um, you got off the toilet, huh? No, I was changing <laughs> chairs. Well, yeah. No, no wheelchair. <laughs> anyway, anyway um, then I'm going to be uh, participating as an instructor in the River Friendly Green Gardener for Horticultural Professionals pro- program. 
And those are uh, three modules, three classes. Uh, The first class uh, begins Thursday, September 20th. Uh, It runs from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. And we're going to be talking about building and maintaining healthy soils, talking about the soil food web, how to properly fertilize, compost, mulch, a little bit of lawn care as well. And that'll be held at the Folsom Community Center, 52 Natomas Street in Folsom. Then the next component of that program is October 4th. You wanted it, you get it, and that's from, again, five, uh, 8 to 5, and that's going to be on irrigation. And then uh, Thursday the 11th, again, 8 to 5, uh, they're going to be talking about plant, uh, plants in California as well as IPM, how to uh, select the proper plants, plant structure, selection, installation, pruning, and integrated pest management. Give them a website. And for more information, rescapeca.org. Rescapeca.org. Yep. There we go. All right. Thank you for that. Yep. Um, I guess I should mention, since uh, you're on a roll here, is that uh, there is uh, one event going on in Davis today as far as gardening goes. It's kind of a slow week because of uh, the Labor Day holiday next weekend and the fact that it's August, but uh, garden activities will pick up as uh, the weather gets cooler. But uh, coming up today from 2 to 4 o'clock, the Yolo County Master Gardeners have a discussion on varied topics, including pruning apricot and other fruit trees, cherries and apricots. August is the month to prune them. Harvesting fruits and vegetables, planting cool weather vegetables by seed, edible flowers, and culinary herbs. That's going on today, 2 to 4 o'clock at the Mary Stevens Davis Library, 315 East 14th Street in Davis. It's free. And by the way, uh, Garden Grappler at 11 o'clock will be giving away a couple of tickets to the East Sacramento Edible Gardens Tour going on Saturday, September 8th from 10 until 4 o'clock. So we'll be doing that. Can we go to the phones now? Is that okay? Sure. All right, good. All right. Kay and Wilton. How's Wilton today? Hey, Wilton is moderate air. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I'm wearing a mask. I have an N95 mask when I'm out in the garden when it's unhealthy. I'm glad you use the numbers M95 because a lot of people think that these plain old paper masks are going to do them any good, and they're not. It might help a little bit, but not like the N95. Right. They need to be registered for respiratory purposes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, my question is, um, I appreciate everything that you've said the last couple of weeks about controlling ants in the house. But I have, I raise a lot of roses, and I, ha- I want to keep my ants away from the roses because they harvest aphids and other things I don't want on my roses. So... And I know that I don't want to eradicate ants because they belong in our environment, but how do I get them where I want them to be and not where I don't want them to be? You hire an ant herder. <laughs> Otherwise known as an uncle. Yes. No. <laughs> well, now, I, I, I don't know of any ant herding devices, no. but I do know some good ant control uh, devices. If you visit the Farmer Fred Rant blog page, You'll see an ad on the left-hand side for what's called the Ant Pro. And the Ant Pro is, it it looks like the water tower at Cal Expo. And it's filled with a liquid boric acid uh, bait. bait. And it's a very weak boric acid bait. I think it's like 1% or a half percent. And what's the name of that bait? Uh, 
Ant, uh, I got it Gorm, here. Gourmet. Gourmet, yes. Liquid ant bait. Gourmet liquid ant bait, yes. And it is because it is a weak boric solution, it does not deter ants. If you use too much boric acid, such as you'd find in like a powdery one, like ro- roach proof, uh, they could be dissuaded from even crossing that area. They, they, they sense danger. But this stuff is so weak that they walk right through it, pick it up, take it back to the nest. Somebody cleans them off, and the next thing you know, you got dead ants. Well, I mean, with the weak boric acid, and, and even the, the boric acid roach dust. Is, yeah, but people tend to weak. put it on too thickly. Too thick, yeah, yeah. But what, they, what they'll do is they'll go in there. It, there there's some, because it's gourmet. There is some sweet stuff along. Oh, so I it, get it. Okay. So it attracts them. They go into the water tower, and it's the KM Ant Pro if you want to look for it online. Thank you. Um, There's a link to it at the Farmer Fred Ramp. And page. they will take it back to the nest. They'll tell all their friends and relatives about it. And so eventually, most of their friends and relatives will actually go to the water tower, feed on this stuff, take it back to those that are you know back at the nest, and within a week or two, everybody will have been exposed to enough of this boric acid gourmet bait that uh, it's a slow-acting stomach poison. They will perish, and you get the entire nest. To answer your question, Kay, I don't think there is a barrier that you can put in there to deter ants from getting there. They will oh. cross a copper strip. They will climb a fence. They will They will not go across Tanglefoot. Well, what or, they'll or do the, is... Or the bug glue. They will go across their dead compadres to yes. get to it. So, yeah, but if, if you can, you know, pr- uh, have your plants where the only access the ants have is up the stem of the plant, you can put, uh, I think it's sticky insect glue. There's, there's a new one. I can't think of the actual name of it. Or Tanglefoot. Tangle trap, yeah. And, and it's a really sticky, nasty, yucky stuff, so don't mm-hmm. get it on your hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, popsicle sticks or tongue depressors are great applicators. And people say that it's harmful to the bird population. Yeah, if the yeah. birds can get there. I mean, it's, yeah. not, it's not likely. It certainly is possible. Well, yeah, I I'm sure it does I happen. Have to, I didn't want to kill them all off, but I think I'm going to have to maybe kill the nests where they're, like if they're right in the middle of the rose garden, where people go and in yeah, the middle of the yeah. roses, those are the nests I don't want there, right. and leave the ones farther out fine. Yeah. Now, in the old days, Steve, you would talk about pour, pouring boiling water down yeah. an ant hole. Does that work? Yeah, that works That works very well. The problem with that is if that ant, and, and you pour it down the ant hill. The ant hill, yes. And the problem with that is if your ant hill is right next to the, you know, the, the, the rose plant, it's going to damage the roots mm-hmm. of that rose where that hot water goes as well. All right. So uh, that's the short answer that we stretched out to make it a long answer, and, Kay. And, and there are, you know, if you don't, I mean, the, 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 the KM Ant Pro is, is sizable and a little more expensive. Uh, a lot of nurseries sell a smaller version, uh, in particular the, the, the Tarot brand. T-E-R-R-O. It's a, uh, typically, you're going to look for an orange and white package. Mm-hmm. And they have... Uh, it's usually sold in a four-pack or a six-pack. Yeah. yeah. And they have traps for indoors and they have traps for outdoors. And so just yeah. make sure you get the one... But it's not trip. a trap per se. It's bait. No, it, it's a bait station. Yeah, that they take back to the it's nest. It's a bait station. Yeah. That's what we know, Kay. Okay, thanks so much. All right, thanks for calling All right, we'll take a short break. More of Get Growing on the way on Talk 650 KSTE.
Get Growing continues with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. Along with Steve Zion with Living Resources Company. What in the world does Living Resources Company do in the year 2018? Not a whole lot. I'm semi-retired. I, you know, consult with the nurseries. Um, if homeowners want, I can come out and do a, a consultation for them as well. If you've got growing issues or you want to try and do things more organically, I can help out. I can go through your garden shed and find out what products are you should be using and what products should be taken to the hazardous waste site. Aren't you afraid you'll see a spider? No. Okay. I'm not afraid of spiders. All right. Just checking. And um, I do soil testing. Okay. And for more information on that, they can give me a call at 916-726-5377 or online at organiclandscape.com. I didn't realize, and you never told me until the last email you sent me, that you actually have an active blog page that lists all your upcoming events. Well, usually all, if I think of posting them. <laughs> but yeah, okay. I've told you that before. Well, this is the first time you've sent me the link. Oh, that could be. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, you you can you can get that link. Not through your website? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I'm going there right now. Uh, I think What's it's your website? New, new, organiclandscape.com. Okay. You got, need to listen to the radio show. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> and, and you look, I think it's news and events, and typically I only have enough time to post stuff that I'm involved in. Um, hey, but, there it is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so under the news and events tab at yep. your website, organiclandscape.com. Yep. It'll, it'll talk about my upcoming events. It says you're on the radio today. Uh, I better get going. Yeah. Is it this morning or this yeah, afternoon? I don't know. Mm-hmm. All right. Fine. All right. Okay, good. Yeah. Nice to see you're doing something with your website. <laughs> it's the only part of my website I know how to work. Okay. <laughs> All right. Fine. What, did you give a phone number? 916-726-5377. That's Steve Zion's phone number. Here, it's 916 916- Five seven six one five seven eight or eight six six three three one eight two five five. He wasn't sure, and well, <laughs> I haven't had enough coffee yet. Jerry, pronounced like Jerry, is on the phone from Sacramento. Hi, Jerry. Hi. I I want to know. Thank you for your show. I love it. Thank you. How do I raise a peach tree from seed? I've been holding these seeds for about two weeks now. Uh. Okay. Chances are you're not going to get what you think you're going to get. You're going to get a peach, but chances are it will be something different because unless it, it was a Babcock peach all by itself out in the wilderness, then you might get a Babcock. But generally speaking, most uh, trees are hybrid. They're grafted onto roots, and the seeds that the fruit develops might have some traits of a different peach. Um yeah, and and because because you know the seeds from from your fruit trees generally will not produce the desired plant. You'll get a tree. You'll get a tree. Yeah. Um, but because most people grow, uh, grow fruit trees for the fruit, uh, I don't know that there's a lot of research done and information on starting fruit trees from seed. Well, I'm going to look it up, Jerry, because that's a good question. Yeah, it's a great question. Because, yeah, people like to you know have fun, start yeah. things from seed, see what it, comes up. It, yeah, it can, it can be a lot of fun. And that is, in, in fact, one way that 
fruit tree, or I don't know if it's fruit tree, but plant breeders, that's how we get new varieties. They, yeah. just, oh. they just try those kinds of things, planting different seeds that they don't know what it's going to become. That's one technique. Of, yeah. m- most of the techniques involves taking a paintbrush to the open flowers and, and moving that pollen to another flower of another well, tree yeah, and, you, and keeping copious notes on it. Yes. All right. But anyway, you ask a good question, Jerry, and when I get home I have those reference books on uh, plant propagation and we'll look up how to propagate a peach seed. It's not really that. It's the um, I, I can't figure out what kind of a peach this is. It's just wonderful. Well, it doesn't matter because it's going to come out slightly different more than likely. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it'll be different but just as good. It could be. Yeah, it exactly. It could be. Yeah. You, you, usually, they're, they're, usually they're worse. <laughs> no, <laughs> come on. Be optimistic. Well, I, I can't figure out what kind this is. Nobody can tell me. It's a little peach. It's just so good. And and nobody can say what kind that is or here's a tree to buy. No. What we need to know is the exact coloration of the skin and the exact coloration of the flesh and the size of the pit inside. Uh-huh. Knowing that, we can then kind of uh, take a good guess as far yeah, as what yeah, it is. Yeah, it's, it's still a good guess. Yeah. But still, uh-huh. yeah, the size, the overall size, we need to know the dimensions, uh, the coloration of both the skin and the flesh and the size of the pit. Uh-huh. It's very, very small, uh, like an apricot almost, and it's, uh, it's a white peach, and it's sweet, and the color is, is like sunshine outside. The color is like sunshine outside. Yes. All right. Let yes, me look. like the sunshine yes. hit a peach, like a, <laughs> like a sunshine hit a white peach. Right. W- w- one thing that I might suggest is contact Dave Wilson Nursery. Dave it, Wilson? And ask them when they are going to have a... Don't go there. No, don't, don't go, go there. there. They don't do no. that anymore. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Um, well, that's too bad. If, if what you're going to say is do fruit tasting. No, no, no. Oh. I was just going to, when when they have an, some sort of educational event, because they go, you yeah. know, a nursery will have some sort of big thing where they have all sorts of booths, uh-huh. education booths. And if they're there, they would, you know, bring bring a piece of the fruit and and show them, and they might be able to, because they're experts on, on you know, deciduous Peaches. fruit trees. Yes. And they might be able to uh, figure out what it is. I certainly will do that. I am uh, look, uh, or just go to their catalog online. Read the various description of the thirty or forty peach variety, forty or fifty peach varieties <laughs> right. that they have there, and see what matches up. And their uh-huh. website is davewilson.com, and just go to the page that has their variety descriptions for uh-huh. peaches, and uh, read the descriptions of each, and see if one of them matches up with what you have in your hand. Uh huh. Now, in other, can I also have some fun? Uh, just dig a hole and plant these. Do I have to face them a certain way, like an avocado has to point up, or can I just put them in a hole and plant them? That's the way the squirrels do it. But uh, le- like I say, I, I want to go home and research this a little bit more on propagating uh, peaches from seed because uh-huh. I, I want to know if it needs any some sort of scarification or stratification yeah i heard that it has to be put in a freezer for a while yeah stratification this is is why i'm calling well that's why i'll look it up what do i do you know okay we'll find out thank you all right thanks for calling jerry have a great day all right you too bye-bye all right So, so hopefully next week you'll you'll have an answer over the air
I wrote it down on my big yellow legal pad, so that means I'll be reminded next Saturday, oh, look up this answer, Fred, how to propagate <laughs> peaches from seed. All right. It's a good question. I, I like to know that stuff. And and correct me if I'm wrong. You're wrong. The, 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 the seeds of, of a peach are inside the pit. The, the, I mean, when you... Yeah, when, that, that pit is the covering for the seed. Right. Yeah. So, so just, just planting that pit... Well, that's why it needs that stratification right. period. Yeah. It might need to be going in the freezer. Yeah. Or and you it might, might need, need some sandpaper yeah. or something or soaking yeah. or both. Or something like yeah. that. That's yeah. why there are no easy answers in life. Uh, we have to take a break. And then when we come back, it's garden grappler time. So we have to talk about a topic that will not accidentally give away any answers to the garden grappler. So I want you to talk about, when we come back, how to stake a tree properly if it needs staking and how short or how tall to cut your lawn. Okay. All right. We'll talk about that. You have to remember that. I I know. I wrote it down so I won't forget. (laughs) And we'll do that while the garden grappler is happening. So that's coming up after the news as we continue with Get Growing. By the way, if you miss any portion of this show, it is available as a podcast that you can find at the iHeartRadio app at uh, kste.com or your favorite third-party podcast aggregator. Terry tells me the show will be posted soon after the completion of the show, so it'll be fresh in your mind. So there. It's Get Growing on Talk 650 KSTE, KSTE kste.com, and the iHeartRadio app. You're listening to Get Growing with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. All right, it's Garden Grappler time. A chance for you to pick up a prize or two from the Farmer Fred prize closet if you're up on your pesticides. We spent uh, part of the KFPK Garden Show and part of this show talking about pesticides and pesticide labels. I say we, it is I, and Steve Zion, who's here from Living Resources Company. He likes to read pesticide labels. I do it all the time. Yes, you do. So what I want you to do, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, name an active ingredient in a pesticide. Now that, AI. Okay, now an, act, an AI, an, an active ingredient in a pesticide. You will find the active ingredients listed on just about every label of a pesticide. So when I say that, I don't mean the name of the product. Like you could say, uh, Cory's. No, Cory's is the name of a snail killer. Uh, that's a marketing term. What is the active ingredient that would be killing the snail, for example? So name an active ingredient in a pesticide. It may take using a magnifying glass. There are clues available at FarmerFred.com at the Get Growing with Farmer Fred Facebook page that can help you out in that regard. Yeah, the active ingredient is always really, really easy to find on the label. You look at the label, it's usually in the front. And look at the the printing where you need a microscope to see it. <laughs> That's where they put the active ingredient. Yes. All right. So the numbers to call in with the answer to the question, name an active ingredient in a pesticide, 916-576-1578 or 866-331-8255. I'll repeat those numbers for those of you sharpening pencils. 916-576-1578 or 866-331-8255. This is going to be hard to judge. You're the judge. You figure it out. That's your problem. <laughs> I, I, I'm just here to turn microphones on and off. 
All right. Name an active ingredient in a pesticide. All five callers get a prize. Special bonus prize for caller five, because as you know, in the Garden Grappler, you cannot repeat an earlier answer. Terry, you ready in there? All right. Terry's ready. To be jotting down names and addresses. And uh, so, Steve, our job right now for the next few minutes or so is to basically not give away any answers while people are calling in. Okay, we'll just be quiet. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. Let's listen to crickets. <laughs> All right. I want you to explain to people the benefits of having a tall lawn. I don't mean an unmowed lawn. I just mean cutting your lawn at the highest setting and why that is so important for us here in the Sacramento region. There are there are numerous benefits for having a, a tall lawn. One, the taller the lawn, the more light is exposed to the leaves, the more food is produced, and you will get a deeper root system. Uh, if you're familiar with the weather in, in the Sacramento region, uh, we don't get a lot of rain, and people often don't even irrigate properly. So you, you want the, the roots to go down as far as you can. And the longer the grass blades are, the deeper the roots will go. Another reason for having the lawn grow high is it will help shade the soil. And by shading the soil, when the weed seeds try and germinate, they won't get any sunlight and you will get fewer weeds. Now, one of the the, the most notorious weeds, uh, and it's one of your favorites, Bermuda grass, uh, I've heard you say Bermuda grass is for forever. Bermuda grass is forever. Um, by uh, Bermuda grass loves uh, a closely mowed lawn. It will help to dominate. And so mowing high will also help uh, reduce the invasion of Bermuda grass. So there are all those, and, and there are, I think there are more, but my old brain isn't coming up with, with those. But those. <laughs> You know, you, you, a deeper root system, it's going to be healthier, more pest resistant. It's going to maintain soil moisture longer. Help more, maintain yeah. soil moisture. It's going to send the roots there. deeper. Right. Yeah. So there's Lot, a, lots of benefits. There's a lot of benefits. And I'm not saying don't mow the lawn. I'm just saying set your mower at the highest setting. Yeah, because typically. Yeah. Most of the lawns we grow in our area are cool season blends, and it's usually a fescue blend. And when temperatures rise, because it is a cool season lawn, it prefers to have as much leaf mass as possible yeah. to stay cooler and yeah. to maintain soil moisture. So that's why you mow the fescue lawns, which is the most common grass in our area. Right. You mow it high. If three and a half, you should set your lawnmower three and a half to four inches, which for most mowers, it's the highest cutting, the highest notch. Yeah, and and you know if you're not the one mowing the lawn, you've got some lawn service. They don't understand that you need to have that lawnmower set up high, and you need to talk to them and have them set that lawnmower so it cuts the blades so that they're uh, three and a half to four inches when 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 it's after it's cut. Mm-hmm. Now in the winter time, you can go down a notch. Oh, one notch. Yeah, maybe. one notch. Yeah. 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 Um, but for basically three seasons of the year, spring, summer, and fall, yeah. keeping it at the highest setting is most conducive to a healthy lawn. Yeah. And I mean, I, I've, now that I live in suburban purgatory and taking the dogs for a walk, <laughs> I, I, I see. Do you carry a bag with you? Plastic bag? Yes, I carry two plastic bags because I have two dogs. Okay. We clean up after our dogs. Thank you very Thank much. You. Appreciate the, that. Sure, anytime. The, uh, I, I, I see people spending a lot of money 
on getting lawns installed. And then I see these lawns going into serious disrepair just a few months later because of sprinkler issues, watering issues, and mowing issues. Yeah, and fertilizing issues. And fertilizing issues. But frankly, for a lawn that was put in in May or June, and for it to be going into serious decline in August means... Well, there's something going on that's yeah. that's man-made yeah. here, and it's usually I can tell by when I see the sprinklers coming on every day that can be an issue. <laughs> yeah. When I see brown spots and green spots, that would mean coverage issues of the sprinklers. Right, and uh, basically when I see the lawn mowed so short that the green kind of goes away and it just gets this kind of a tannish green color, yeah. that's a lawn that's suffering. Right, and easily taken care of. Well, a lot, a lot of times you'll see, even when people are mowing high, that you'll get this yellow tinge to the... That's usually in spring. And no, I can, I can, it's more common, I think, in summer and fall, because the cause of that is that the, the folks who are doing the mowing aren't keeping oh, their lawnmower blades yeah. sharp. And so it tears the grass blades, and so you get, you get a frayed edge, and that frayed edge isn't getting you know any sap flow, and so it turns yellow. And the jagged edge also exposes the the leaf blades to uh, more disease problems. When was the last time you had your mower blade sharpened? Oh, never? You you might want to take it in and get it sharpened. Ideally, and this is ideal, I don't know anybody who does this, after eight hours of use, you should sharpen your mower blade. You're right. Nobody's going to do that. Nobody's going to do that. No. I, I, but, I would I would say if, one, you, if you do it once a year you're you're doing okay. Yeah, but but pros should be doing it every least, week. Yeah, at least every week. Yeah, and and I don't think any of them do. Are you no? They're just running those machines till they stop. Yeah, uh, which is too bad. Now the other yellowing issue that I was thinking you were talking about, but you were talking about uh, the blade issue. The, the other yellowing issue that usually occurs in springtime is rust. Yes, and orange. That's orange. That's orange. Yes, and it's on the tip. <laughs> And it, it's is it a fungus or a, yeah it's a fungus yeah kind of yeah it's it's a rust yeah it's, thanks it's a rust <laughs> but the way you can tell it's a rust take a Kleenex out there or use your handkerchief or whatever or your shoes or your feet yeah and and basically wipe the blade with the orange on it the orange pustules on it and if it comes off on your Kleenex that's rust yeah and think about what you're doing every time you walk across a rust-filled lawn on your shoes yeah you're spreading it to other parts of the lawn yeah I, I I still remember and I wish I would I could find a copy of this picture um, at a pesticide applicators continuing education meeting I went to um, they showed a, a golf course and the uh, landscape maintenance crew was was dealing with this fungus and they had this this fungus in one spot. And the, you, it was, what was fun and, and interesting is you could see the golfer walked through this one spot. It was off to the side, so it didn't get a lot of traffic. And then as he walked down the fairway, you could see his footprints killing the lawn because he was spreading that fungus on his shoes. You could see the orange going down. In it, well, th- this wasn't orange, oh. but... But it was it was a fungus problem. But but that's yeah yeah you, you're right in, in reference to uh, rust on your lawns and and typically rust uh, is only a problem uh, on all of our plants uh, as long as the, the the leaves are getting wet and the and the conditions are cool. So that's why it's only a problem in spring. 
Uh, typically, you don't have to do anything other than uh, maybe mowing a little more frequently. Uh, don't water in the evening and give it some fertilizer, some good organic fertilizer to encourage a little growth so that it can grow out of the, the rust. Generally speaking, uh, there are two good seasons to fertilize a lawn, spring and fall. Yep. Yeah. And um, you love the organic lawn fertilizers, too. Yeah. That's that's the only way to go. The reason, the reason being is the, the synthetic fertilizers are high in salts. Salts are dehydrating agents so that when you apply those salty fertilizers, uh, it sucks the moisture out of all those beneficial microbes that are in the soil that help your plants gather water, that help your plants gather nutrition, and help your plants fight off pests. All right. We're lining up people. Hey, we have one open line left at 916-576-1578 for the Garden Grappler. Name an active ingredient in a pesticide. We will get to your answers when we come back to Get Growing on Talk 650 KSTE. Get Growing continues with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. All right, let's get to your Garden Grappler answers. Today's Garden Grappler is name an active ingredient in a pesticide. Steve Zion, who works with pesticides, tells people all about pesticides, is here. He will be judging the quality of your answers. All five callers get a prize. Special bonus prize for caller five, because as you know, you cannot repeat an earlier answer, so caller five has it toughest of all. Chris, in the Cape Bay Valley, go ahead, be my guest. Imidacloprid. Perfect. All right. Well, for an answer. For an answer. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not <laughs> saying it's a great product. But it works. All right. Good answer, Chris. What do we have for all five people today, Fred? Well, for all our contestants today, we have from the UC Davis Post-Harvest Technology Department, Storing Fresh Fruits and Vegetables for Better Taste. Now, this is a one-page poster you can hang in your kitchen, and it'll tell you, okay, I have an avocado. Does it stay on the shelf, on the counter, or does it go in the refrigerator? So it answers all those common questions about what goes where. And from the people at Our Water, Our World, how to control ants. So cool. that, that'll be coming your way. Thanks, Chris. Great. All right. Thank you. Bye. All right. He was so excited. He was speechless yeah. at the quality of those prizes. <laughs> All right. Uh, where are we? Jim in Sacramento. Be my guest. Hey there. <clears throat> I would say an easy vinegar. It kills everything. Well, we were just discussing vinegar. Yeah. And I, I have a different answer. Now, Steve, that's up to Steve. Is, is vinegar a good answer? I, I don't think so. I'm, I'm try, I was trying to look on a herbicide label, get, get a herbicide label. I, I, Jim, you may want to turn down your radio. I, I, think that, I think vinegar would be like a brand name kind yeah. of a thing. Um, but it is not. Acetic acid. There you go. All right. Perfect. Acetic acid. That works. All right. Thank you very much. Acetic acid. Yeah. And you had a question, I understand. Well, I do. A couple of weeks ago, you guys were talking about uh, transplanting trees. And I have I have several fruit trees in 55-gallon drums, basically. <laughs> okay. I know. Well, they're dwarf, they're dwarf trees. They're not yeah, the big, I big thing. I get a Meyer lemon in the yeah, dwarf. Yeah, you just wait till you dig them out of those barrels and see what you find. Well, no, I agree with that. But here's the reason why I put them in barrels is because... In my area, I'm like 152% clay. Yeah. So if I dig a hole, I basically have a bigger pot is all. Yeah. Yeah, a bathtub. Yep. 
Uh, yeah, exactly. So, you know, what are the – amending the soil, yeah, I've been doing that, but that could take me 15 or 20 years, or I would need a backhoe to dig a, a tree, you know, hole 20 feet in diameter. Worm casting. Well, that's the... – I, I do. I do worm <laughs> casting. Why yeah. not raise beds? I, well, uh, basically, I have a raised bed. It's a 55-gallon raised bed. Well, yeah, but that, it's got a width of what, two and a half feet? Maybe. Uh, yeah. Okay. I've, I've got some raised beds that I do my vegetables in. They're four feet wide and you know two feet tall. But is is that enough to support it? Oh yeah, that'd be fine. We don't have. No, I, I, really I, would, I would disagree. But well, no, I I think anything that's four feet wide and two feet tall, and of at and least at, okay, and eight feet long. Yeah, you could put two trees in there, no problem. Really? Yeah. But what I would do first is work that bottom layer before you add any soil to that raised bed is mix in the new soil with the existing soil so you have better water flow, better drainage. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, just an inch or so. Just put it in an inch of new soil, till it in, and just mix it so you break that plane between the existing soil and the new soil. Till it in lightly. Don't turn it into yeah, dust. You till it yeah. in enemy. Well, no, throw some worm castings in there. I use worm castings all the time. All right. Yeah. It's just I can't get enough to do four trees. I put them in my 55-gallon barrels. That's what I just Well, I mean, the thing that makes the worm castings work is the soil biology that's in the worm castings. And if you were to take the worm castings and make what's called a compost tea and start drenching your soil with that compost tea made from the worm castings. You'll have wet soil. You you will have lots and lots of soil biology, and they will open up that soil. Not overnight. No, but very, very quickly. All right. Much more, much more rapidly. Hey, well, Jim. We'll start doing that. I'll keep them in the barrels until I can get some soil. Work. Yeah, let me know how it works getting those out of the barrel. Yeah. I want to hear. Okay. I want to know if you can do it by yourself. Uh, well, you know, scissors or, I mean, they're in plastic uh, half barrels. Oh, okay. All right. I was thinking of an mm-hmm. old oil barrel or something. No, no, no. Okay. All right. A big, oh, like an old garbage can. Kind of similar okay. to All right. Okay. Okay. Okay, that'll All work. All right. right. Okay, Jim, I'll be sending you that stuff. Okay. All right. Get rid of the ants. Okay, there you go. Right, All right. Bye-bye. All right. Caller number three in today's Garden Grappler. Where are we, Fred? Let's go to Auburn and talk with Sue. Sue, go ahead. Give us a, uh, a pesticide, an active ingredient in a pesticide. How about metaldehyde? Perfect. Metaldehyde, yes. Not a, not a preferred material, but it is an active ingredient <laughs> yes. in just a few. And only Steve can pronounce the the category of pesticide this would be. A molluscicide. Molluscicide. I still say it's mollicide, but whatever. <laughs> Metaldehyde, yes. It, it's, it's it's not as preferable as other active ingredients that right. we won't name. But, Sue, good answer. I'll be sending you from the Our Water, Our World people uh, controlling ants. I like those people. And, yes, you do. And uh, also, how to store fresh fruits and vegetables for better flavor. Thank you. All right. Thanks for calling. All right. Alrighty. Bye. All right. Caller number four in today's Garden Grappler. We're going to Brooklyn. Hi, Charlie. Hey. Charlie. How, you how, doing? how the heck are you? How are you doing, Fred? How are you doing, Steve? Great. Great. Is it, All right. is it snowing there yet? No, not yet. Okay. Tyresum? Is yeah. that a... Yes. All right. And, I and, forgot all about that. I just threw that out. And and that's an organic one, organically. Yeah, that's from the chrysanthemum, right? Yes. Yeah. 
And uh, the, oh, cool. uh, is that for sale still as Bugbuster O? Um, I I have not seen it available, no. but as far as I know, it still is. I haven't seen Bugbuster O in quite a while. No, I haven't seen it on the show. <laughs> yeah, but the active ingredient in that was pyrethrum. Yeah, and th- there are there are numerous products that have pyrethrum in it. Yeah. It's a windy day in Brooklyn, isn't it? Yeah, finally. Uh, I got a question, Fred. I want to save seeds from a tomato, but the plant had, uh, I guess, blight or something on it. Are they still good? Uh, I wouldn't risk transferring that blight to any new plant. It could easily rest on the seeds. Yeah. All right, so that's the end of that deal. Yeah. And I want to say one thing. People, when you drive your car, look through your side view mirror, because you might have me coming by. I hit this guy's door, totaled my bike. My right arm is all black and blue. Oh, man. Yeah, well, these people don't look. I, I always you. make contact with, you know, I always look in the mirror. Yeah. There, there's and I was a, going slow. I would, you've given me a perfect opportunity to, to talk about something called the Dutch grab. Now, what is the Dutch grab, you might ask? It's exactly to save people like Charlie. Instead of <laughs> opening up your car door with your left hand, if you're the driver, reach across, open it with your right hand, because that forces you to swivel your body and you could see if a bicycle is coming up next to you. So open up your car door with your opposite hand in order to see more of what's coming up behind you. But that's too hard to do. Uh, well, Especially I know. when you get old like us. It's the law in Dutchland. Yeah. All right. Yep. Okay. It'd be great, right? Charlie, right. okay. Quick recovery, Charlie. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. All right. And that's what well, Charlie was for, right? I got that right? Yeah. I, Charlie was for I haven't one, been two, three, four. You, you're, that's your job. Uh, no, my job's to answer to see if they oh, got okay. the answers right. Caller number five in today's Garden Grappler in Fair Oaks. It's Mark. Hello, Mark. Hey, how you doing, guys? We're doing fine. So if you can name an active ingredient in a pesticide that is not imidacloprid, metaldehyde, pyrethrum, or acetic acid, I have for you two tickets to the East Sacramento Edible Garden Tour coming up Saturday, September 8th, details of which are available at ediblegardens.sac, or ediblegardensac.org, and the new Master Gardener uh, 2019 Gardening and Preservation Guide and Calendar. So I'll be sending oh, wow. you all that good stuff if you can just come oh, up with a... Oh, it is great. Thank you so much. Right, but Glycophosphate. What was that again? Glycophosphate. Glycophosphate. You were right, Steve, when you talked about people <laughs> mentioning strange stuff. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. I think... He, That's in Roundup, right, man? No. You were close, but... No? I, I won't... You're not, not going to judge him on the pronunciation, are you, Steve? Okay, well, I, guess, I guess not. Okay. We want to take another crack at that word. Mark? Meat glyco. Oh, I thought it was. Was it glycoline phosphate? No. I'm not looking at Oh, the, okay. Cut out the CO. Oh, glyphosate? There you go. Yeah. yeah. Oh, or, okay. Or, or, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or glyphosate. You. Sure. That's okay. You are okay. close enough. Yeah. All right. That's that's probably the the most popular yeah, active ingredient sold. Yep. Yeah. It's I was one surprised that, nobody's come up with that. They come yeah. up with every little nook and cranny except what's all over the, the news. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It has been in the news. Yes, it has. Yeah. All right. News so, Mark, I'll, I'll be sending you all that stuff. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks for calling. Appreciate it. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Are you going to stick around or leave? No, stick around. I thought so. Or, or, or do you want me to leave? No, you can stick around. That's okay. I got nothing planned. Okay. All right. So we can talk about nothing when we come back.
Yeah, I'm good at that. All right. I, I, I That's what you, I do on my consultations. I want you to talk about how to stake a tree, okay? Okay. T-bone, right. ribeye. No, no, not that Pork steak. Chops? S-T-A-K-E. Thank you. It's Get Growing on Talk 650 KSTE. You're listening to Get Growing with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. Along with Steve Zion from Living Resources Company, answering your gardening questions at 576-1578 here in the 916 or 866-331-8255 or email. Send it to fred at farmerfred.com. I would like to know from you, Mr. Z. Yes, sir. The way that you would stake a new tree, if it needed staking. I think a lot of people make the mistake of when they buy a tree and plant it, well, A, they forget to take out that nursery stake. That's the the big thing. Yeah, take out that nursery stake because all you're doing is actually harming the tree by keeping it unnaturally small and not allowing it to gain any girth. So remove that one nursery stake. Well, and I'm part of this Sacramento gardening blog thing, and somebody had had some... uh, Dog vomit growing on the ground, which is a type of that's, fungus. That's a type of fungus. It's legit. It's actually called dog that. vomit. Yeah. And um, she was asking what what that stuff was on the ground, and I it, that's what it looked like in the picture. Yeah. But what I noticed was she had the nursery stick. That's what they're called. The, the the stakes that the plants come when you purchase it at the nursery, and it was still there. And the trunk of the tree was actually growing around that stake. Because that stake was so close, they did not remove it. Mm-hmm. Um, then the next thing, so the, when you get it home, um, you take the or the, the nursery stake off. I, I would what I, rather than re, before you remove it, I would untie it, yeah, and see if it see if it. <laughs> How could you not remove it unless you untied it? Well, you, yeah, but, but I'm saying you leave the stake there. Yeah, just, just untie it. And see if oh, it needs the stake. Exactly. Yes. Okay. That tree may not need it. May a not. Stake. It may not need the stake. Which, in that case, then you don't stake it. When does a tree need a stake? Two stakes. Um, when if when you remove the the ties and it starts to fall over. All right. And it it's incapable of supporting itself. And then you would take two stakes, and the two stakes should be outside the the can area when you plant when you transplant it in the ground it should go into the native soil mm-hmm. and then you take i like that green stretch tape that's yeah, where, that the green can, ribbon yeah that you buy it you can get it at any local yeah. nursery I think it's called tree tape could be yeah um and you bind it to the tree in a figure eight pattern bind yeah tie it Bind? See, this is the argument I have that I've been seeing. People are basically strangling the tree with the tree tape around the trunk and then tying it to the stakes. Well, you you use two stakes. Yeah. And they're on opposite sides. Right. So you can't make it too tight because otherwise it would be up against one stake and not the other, and then it wouldn't be. So, I mean, you want it so that it's going to hold it up. Okay, but okay. loose enough to allow it to bend a little bit within that circle of tree tape. A, a little bit. I I usually tie it fairly tight. I, actually, I wouldn't. I would the, the, have the, the, the room reason, to move. The reason being is as I'm tying the knot, it loosens. 
Plus, it's it's made to stretch a little bit, and um, but you when you um, tie it to the other tree, what I also do is after the other stake, the other stake, um, I will make sure that the the, the the tape is stretched enough where there's a little bit of movement. Mm-hmm. Okay, and what you where where to put the the top. Because sometimes, depending upon how tall the tree is, you might need several of these ties to the stake. Uh, where you want to put that top tie, you hold the tree up, and the lowest point that you can hold the tree up and not have it go over is basically where you want to put the uppermost support. The lowest point or the highest point? If you're feeling up the tree, so to speak, if you're feeling the trunk of the tree, and you reach the point where, okay, the tree is up right now. Right. You could do the same thing going from the top. Well, yeah, but, but you can go and go down. But yeah. the, the lowest point where on the trunk of the tree where holding it will keep it from falling over, mm-hmm. that's where your top tie. The top should, tie. I yes. would put the bottom tie there. No. All right. How about in the middle of that range of holding the tree upright? No, because then you're restricting the movement. All right. So you want the top to move. Yeah. Okay. So in that sense, then, if you want the top to move, shouldn't that just be a loose loop around the tree trunk itself and then tied in a figure eight fashion back to the post, to the stake? Yeah, but but it's got to be tight enough where it's not going to fall over. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, just a, a loose loop, just so that that tape is not pressed hard against the trunk right. of the tree yeah all yeah. right a loose loop yeah thank you i mean not real loose i mean you don't you don't want to no it, it right. just it's uh, got to be secure enough where it's going to stay up there yeah but it's okay. still it the tree has room to grow yes. within that yes as opposed to you strangling yeah. it yeah and, and and you should go out there on a you know semi-regular basis and make sure that it's not binding you know i would say twice a year go out there and take a look at, at well and, and see if it's causing restrictions because the trunk is going to grow how long Um, would you leave those stakes on usually a year and not more no one year yeah um if it can't support itself after a year you bought a bad tree or you didn't plant it very well yeah and then you know and then depending upon how tall it is you might need more ties farther down uh i i think in in my estimation that after a year most trees will stand up. Now, they may be bent slightly towards the prevailing wind, but in time, they straighten themselves out. Yeah. So I'm never too worried about the prevailing wind and the slope of a tree unless I'm living on some windswept hillside yeah. uh, where all the trees around you are naturally bent. Or you're planting a, a palm tree at, uh, in an outburger. Well, that's a problem, too. <laughs> yes. yeah. uh, why don't they serve palm trees there? Yeah, they don't. Can we go to the phones? You're the one who wanted to talk about... Yeah, I know, I know. So anyway, one tie or two ties? Two ties. One tie on each tree, and then then maybe, depending upon how how tall the the tree is, you might want another one. For no more than a year. You should try and get it off, yeah. Yeah, or sooner. Yeah, Yeah. sooner if you can. Yeah, all right. Oh, by the way, the position of the stakes, parallel or perpendicular to the prevailing wind? Perpendicular. Perpendicular. Okay. Perpendicular. All right. Good. Phil and Moraga, how the heck are you? Uh, you guys are great today. 
Hey, I didn't know um, Roundup was a pesticide, but that's not why I called. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> well, weren't you, wasn't the question the pesticide? A yeah. pesticide is a general catch-all term for anything that kills something. So it could oh, be. I thought, an, I thought herbicides killed herbs or uh, foliage pesticides. Well, the, but, yeah, but it, it's still something. a pesticide. A, a, a so, side C I D E means kill. An okay. insecticide kills insects. A herbicide kills leaves. <laughs> and a fungicide kills funguses. Yeah. And so they're all pesticides because they are killing a pest. Yeah. Weeds are a pest. Funguses are a pest. <laughs> so am I sometimes. It's like, yeah. Now <laughs> yeah, I want to get you guys into another argument. Um, uh, rest in peace, my friend Chuck Ingles, by the way. Yes, yes. Um, um, the uh, plants, the trees you guys were talking about, these 50-gallon trees, I, I thought we learned that you're supposed to dig down and, and use the native soil and, you know, make the mound and all that good stuff. What's going on with that, you guys? Um, no, we're talking about if you can't dig down, then you plant up. You plant in a raised bed. You plant in a mound of some sort that if your native soil is just not conducive to uh, growth of roots because of hard pan, heavy clay, poor drainage especially, then you yeah. want to build a raised bed. And only two foot? I don't, I, I don't think that that's I, that's I, Fred thinks that's fine. I two don't feet think is fine enough. because it will eventually find its way down to the native soil. And again, if the bed is at least four feet wide by, I'd say, three to four feet long and two feet high, that's plenty for a fruit tree. OK, now, what kind of soil would you use? Because you're not going to be using the native soil. No, you're not. You, you, how, much mon- how much money? How much money do you have? Or something? How much money do you have? I mean, what 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 I recommend? Me, it's a homeowner. <laughs> what I recommend for raised beds is use your native soil and mix it with some good quality compost or earthworm castings. But you can't dig it in that soil, so that's the question. Yeah, so then you have to buy all new soils. You have Hasty's back up a dump truck and dump ten yards. And good luck with that. Well, that's <laughs> why you do a little soil test when you go to yeah. the yard, the sand and gravel yard, and and test the the load that you want to buy, not the load they're going to get tomorrow. Yeah, but I mean, the problem is. Uh, I, I have had a couple of clients just this year um, buy soil from landscape yards and they they couldn't grow anything. And so we actually did a complete soil test and there were things in there that you, there was no way you were going to be able to grow plants. So what do you do? That's the problem. That's, that's oh, why yeah. I, that's why I suggest trying to dig up in when your when your soil is moist, even a clay soils, Unless your hide parent is right on the surface, you can dig them up a little bit and then just use that and mix in quality compost or earthworm casting. However, I would not take advantage of the guy down the street with a pile of dirt in front of his house that says free dirt. Because you don't know what's wrong with that dirt. Right. That's for soil over dirt anyway. Hey, yeah. gentlemen. It uh, must be a full moon. You guys have a beautiful day, okay? It is a full <laughs> moon. Enjoy the, the hair growth today. I appreciate it. Bye-bye. All right, Phil. Bye-bye. We'll take a short break. More Get Growing on the way on Talk 650 KSTE. Get Growing continues with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. Let's delve into the email you've been sending to Fred at FarmerFred.com. Steve Zion is here. He'll have some ideas. I can guess what Steve's going to say to this. No. Cat writes in from Carmichael. <laughs> Hi, Cat. 
About five years ago, we had a large diseased tree removed from the front of our rental home in Carmichael. Stump was ground. We removed as much of the tree roots as we could. We amended the soil, seeded it, gave it tender, loving care. After it was established and looked great, the tenant hired a landscape guy to feed the lawn. One of those liquid landscape deals. All was well for a while. Then suddenly, round brown spots appeared, multiplied, until there was absolutely no green. Three years later, the yard greens a bit in the spring, then immediately turns brown. Nothing will grow, not even weeds. Any idea what might have happened? Is there any hope for grass again? No snark, please. I know you <laughs> loathe lawn. I don't loathe lawn, cat. It has a purpose. I just don't think big swaths of lawn are necessary. Yeah, and, and we all. don't need lawn in, in many of the places where it's growing. Yeah, I mean, a small for your dogs, for your kids, for your grandkids. They don't need a big area. But anyway, sounds like somebody didn't clean out their sprayer. Yeah, I mean, if if you can't even get weeds growing in there, they were using some they they were putting down something pretty nasty. Yeah, yeah. and the chances are, I mean, I'm just guessing here, but for it to occur in that fashion, people forget that when you and you think a professional landscape company would be using different spray equipment for their different chemicals as the, opposed the good, the good ones do yeah but if you're putting fertilizer in one day and then some sort of soil sterilant in the next to kill weeds on a driveway for example yeah. or then, an insecticide the next yeah, yeah then you're probably not triple rinsing right and triple rinsing a sprayer also involves the spray hose itself you need yeah. to use the spray hose and, and launch that and get that cleaned out cleaned as out. well yeah. and do that three times. So, yeah, triple rinsing, always a good idea. I mean, that's what it sounds like. I've, yeah. I it, it doesn't sound like a sprinkler mismatch. No. Uh, as far as... I mean, that could have been part of the, 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 in the, the beginning of the problem. Yeah. But, but, you know, when when you don't have weeds... I mean, one, one, one part could be that your irrigation system isn't working. Yeah, if it's at your rental property, you may not notice it. Yeah, and uh, I mean the, there are a couple of ways to check that. Um, one is to get you know cat food cans or dog food cans or something like that, and throw them out there. Well, well place, no, them place them out, out there. Out there. Uh, particularly if you have any kind of green spots, put like one of them in the center of the green spot, one of them on the edge of the green spot, and then one in the brown spots. Mm-hmm. And turn your, and then the after you run your irrigation system, run out there, and the water in the cans should be yeah. within ten percent of it. Well, you can add a bit more science to it and say run your sprinklers for fifteen minutes, and then measure the amount in each can. Right. And if the variance is more than twenty five percent from can to can, you've got a problem. Right. And so that 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 could be the issue there, um, but it you know it, it sounds more like the, the the guy who was maintaining the lawn was potentially using one sprayer for everything he needed, whether it would be an insecticide mm. or herbicide or Would a soil test determine if there was a sterilant involved? Uh, those are tricky because you have to know what you're testing for. Yeah. But would there be something missing uh, in the soil that would show up on a soil test? Would there be like like no nitrogen or something along those not, lines. Not to my knowledge, there would there would be very little organic matter, but we have very little organic matter in our soil anyway. Yeah. Um, so a soil test may not may not give the answer. May not give the answer. Um, and and so how long does the soil soil stay sterile? Depends on the product. 
Yeah. You know, without knowing what the product is, it's it's really hard to say. Could it be three years? Sure. Mm-hmm. Wow. It, I mean, that's that's a rough one. Um, you know, the the you know talk to your gardener and you know find out whether they're using the you know a, a weed killer, um, for a, a, a sprayer for weed killer and are they using it for anything else? Yeah. Um, and you don't know, it could have just been one rogue employee yeah. doing that when the instructions and what they've been trained is yeah. use different sprayers. Yeah. yeah, it could be some new guy that, that, that did this yeah. one time and and they found out about it and, and fired him. I mean, that's certainly possible. Yeah. But a lot, of, a lot of the gardeners really don't understand pesticides. And the care that needs to be, you know, used when when using these materials and the damage that they can do to the environment and to the the, the particular la- the plants of that landscape. All right. Uh, anything you want to add before we run out of time here? Have a good day. Well, that's pretty good. And, I like that. And, and hope that the that we can breathe the air. We don't have to see it so much anymore. Yeah, that'd be nice. And I'll be back uh, on Farmer two, Fred in, in, in two, two weeks. weeks. Yes, yeah, September 9th, you'll be here. Maybe then we'll talk about uh, uh, soil renovation for the fall, what you can sure. be doing for your s- uh, soil after you tear out your summer plants. And uh, before you put in your fall plants, maybe uh, a little pixie dust or whatever, something more than worm castings. Cover crop. Cover crop. There you go. I like cover, cover crops. Cover crop, green manure. Yeah. All right. Stay tuned for the KSTE Farm Hour. That's coming up next. Approximately 1,000 protesters made up of farmers and other irrigation interests rallied at the state capitol this past week. Why were they there? They were chanting. They were mad because of the State Water Resources Control Board's proposal to divert water from farms and cities, including San Francisco, in order to aid the salmon population and for other environmental critters. We have that report. And... uh, you know, like a zombie rising from the dead? That's WOTUS. That's the Waters of the United States rule. It's a very controversial plan, and it's, uh, it, it, it's, just, it's like a bad Franz Kafka novel, the way it's enforced. <laughs> and it has sprung back to life in California and many other states due to a judge's ruling, and uh, we'll have the details on that. Plus, virulent Newcastle disease is spreading in Southern California. We'll talk about that and its effect on uh, California's uh, chicken population. And uh, we got crop reports, a lot more coming up on the KSDE Farm Hour. That's next from noon to one o'clock on this very radio station. Also available as a podcast at the iHeartRadio app or KSDE.com. Just like this radio show is available as a podcast. If you missed any portion of it, you can uh, tune into the podcast, stream it via the iHeartRadio app, or download it from your favorite third party podcast aggregator such as iTunes. Steve will be back in two weeks. Debbie Flower will be here next week. I'll be here next week. Good Lord willing, and the creek don't rise. Uh, Thanks, Steve. It was fun. Yeah, it was a good job. All right. Thanks, Terry. Appreciate it. All right. Folks, have a great weekend, and uh, enjoy the nice weather we're going to have. Bye-bye.